0: This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB.
1: What I would say is that I'm I'm not going to, I definitely don't have it in me to go anywhere else. So it'll either be here or it'll be taking time to recalibrate reflect on the seasons here but you won't see me next week pop up elsewhere i don't i can't put them through that after this year well 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 kyle Dubis. uh well how things have changed uh since that press conference not don't too long ago Don't you
2: lie to me dubas uh kyle not Dub- me <laughs> You say what you want to other people, but don't you
1: lie to me. <laughs> don't lie to me. Uh Kyle Dubas today announced as the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um Jim Toth, Cameron Poitra's here with you. I mean, what what are some of your initial thoughts don't on that? Don't you Don't you lie to me. Sid Chicero, um, in Toronto, used to be with um uh, uh uh, said or whatever sports that radio now. Now he's
2: with uh Rogers. He the does the morning show. City and stuff
1: tv like Yeah, <laughs> he said this basically, and I'm paraphrasing. This man is a fraud. He accused him of being a fraud. um I mean, to me, this sounds like a situation where, and and this is this is interesting too because I'm going to get this out. And John Shannon, uh, six eighty CGOB contributor here, um, part of our, our our Jets broadcast, and and, and does the, the the Friday hockey reports here on six eighty CGOB. But John Shannon uh, tweeted this out. Interesting to hear Kyle Dubas say that Fenway Sports reached out on the Sunday before the Monday Maple Leafs press conference and had permission from MLSE to speak to Dubas about the Penguins' job. So. The whole situation, to me, is just—it it now has entered into the Don't realm— Don't you lie to me! And now Not me! But if MLS gave him permission to speak to him, well, then Brennan Shanahan had to have been aware of the whole entire situation.
2: Yeah, uh, look, it's— um as we know, this is this has been an ongoing thing. Kyle Dubas wants more power and and I look, I think he should have it. I think a GM should run a team. I think I also think that a director of hockey ops helps to bounce people off, but it's the GM who should have the say on the go ahead of this. Now I know you have to talk to the owner and all that, but I I don't know, Kim, I, I listen to this and I'm I, like, I'm having fun with Kyle Dubas, but yeah, like Arash Madani's on this too. And he's like, there's no tampering in pro sports. He would have no idea Pittsburgh was interested in him when he said that at the press conference. And mm-hmm. um, look, whether they reached him or not, which apparently he did, according to our very own John Shannon, or reached out to him, I should yeah. say, it, he knows that he's going to have work. Like, let's look at a GM that could be moving on from somewhere, and I'll tell you whether other teams would be interested or not. And Kyle Dubas is one of them that would have several teams interested. So, But I I don't mind this push that he had to ask for more power. Like I said last week, I just – and I don't know this, of course. It's just my outside view Mm -hmm. and speculative. But I I just – I don't think Brennan Shanahan should be – he can sort of be that guy between the board and the GM, but the GM should be the one making the decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I agree. And you. I, I look, I'm not trying to disrespect Brendan Shanahan or everything he's done as a player and all that. But I, I mean, you see him and Dubas sitting there watching practices or games together and and scouting and writing notes down and stuff. And, you know, w- going back and forth. It's an opinion, but who should yeah. have the final say it
1: should be the general manager.
2: It should be the general manager in my mind. What do
1: so, you, th- what, what do you think about this whole move for, it seems like every team now has a president of hockey operations, uh, uh, a, a guy sort of an in-between ownership. I mean, well, th- that, I, I that think seems... the Jets should
2: have one. Uh, I, I think the Jets would benefit themselves from having this, uh, a new perspective there that doesn't have power that supersedes Kevin Chevel dayoff but has an influence, has said, yeah. hey, look, this is what I think.
1: I, I think that that's what Kyle Dubas wanted. I, I think, I don't think he was openly saying, listen, I want Brendan Shanna and I want to be the president of hockey operations. Kyle Dubas For the a, here. sorry. I, I just think that, Um, I I, I think that he wanted to not have as much influence over the decisions that that Dubas was trying to make. And I think, well, perhaps Dubas at the time, and according to John Shannon, that there was, he may have known about this, uh, or may have known, but there was some conversations going on with the Penguins. And, and, I mean, this was something we even joked about, about Kyle Dubas getting the job as as the next GM of the Penguins. It wasn't, this wasn't like an out, this wasn't something that came out of left field, uh, particularly when we were... um, well, we were speaking with uh, 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 Dan Klingerton yesterday, yeah. who's with Pittsburgh now, and he was kind of suggesting that they that he kind of made. He said, "Oh, I can't confirm or deny anything, but there's a conversation here. I think Kyle Dubas is weighing his options, and that's what sort of uh, and and this may have been um, a situation where he this was an offer he couldn't refuse. He wanted to be the president of hockey operations." He wanted to uh, have sort of more control over the club. And, th- and then that leaves me to wonder, if really he did want more power, what's going to happen with the general manager job here in, in Pittsburgh? I mean, if, if he's going to be the one calling the shots and having sort of the final say on stuff, um, is what's the role of the general manager going to be when one is hired, which will happen in Pittsburgh?
2: Yeah, I i mean, we live in a world where it's been a month and a half that I'm pretty sure John Hines thought he was going to be back as the Nashville Predators head coach. Their yeah. season ended a month and a half ago, and we saw the coaches that were fired days after the season ended. I'm pretty sure he thought he was going to be back until all of a sudden Andrew Burnett might not be an assistant coach somewhere anymore yeah. in New Jersey, that he might be taking a head coaching job and not be available, and all of a sudden on a dime things changed, and he's now the head coach. Of the national predators, so that's the world we live in. I mean, I just it's it's interesting because of how the power dynamic goes, right? And we're seeing this in Calgary right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, everybody knows that if Daryl Sutter didn't have two to three years left on his contract and Brad Treliving's contract was up, if Daryl Sutter could was going to be moved on from, Brad Treliving would still be in Calgary mm-hmm. and he'd be looking for a new head coach in in. In the interim, they've got a new GM and they need a new head coach Yeah, from the way things are done. Like, it's just, it's, um, I just think that Kyle Dubas deserved more. Look, you know how I feel about the Leafs. I think he messed up those contracts big time. I think he handcuffed himself from improving the rest of the roster. And so what he has to do is rely on the big four now and find goalies here and there every year to two years. And that's from his own doing. But can Kyle Dubas find hockey players? Yes, he can. Can he build a talented roster? Yes, he can. Can he draft well? Yes, he can. So why are we going to Brendan Shanahan when there's a fifth-round pick going to Buffalo for Tage Thompson, Tag Thompson? Yeah. And that's getting Bosch from people above the GM. I, I've always said this. Like, I'm from Lethbridge, and for years and years and years, the Lethbridge Hurricanes have been run by their community-owned. Yeah. So they're run by a board. And for years and years and years, my friends in Lethbridge would go, what's wrong with the Hurricanes? Even when I cover the dub and I go, well, in my opinion, and I have a buddy whose brother was on the board yeah, and he was a realtor. And he's like, what, what is going on? Like, why can't they? And I said, I think they fired Rich Preston at the time. And I, I just said to my buddy, Craig, I'm like, Craig, no disrespect to your brother, but he played grade nine hockey and he's a realtor. Hire a hockey guy or woman. And if it works out, great extend them, and if it doesn't, find somebody else. Mm-hmm. But stop telling Rich Preston, who's been involved in the NHL, how to
1: run a hockey club. we we'll look at the Bombers, community-owned team. Wade Miller steps in, a big business guy, guy that's not going to be, he's going to say, this is how it is, and all of a sudden, start, things start changing for the Winnipeg do Blue you, Bombers. Do you
2: think Wade Miller, with all his influence there, which is enormous, yes. ever goes into Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea's office, and of all the things he's running there says, go get this player and get rid of that one? No. And what, how does that work? You go hire people that know what they're doing and you let them do it. Mm-hmm. And you stop going above to people who are sitting on a board. And I, isn't that what Shanahan does? Like, hey, we love Shanny; He's a Hall of Fame player and blah. What do you think, Shanny? Well, what's, what's your employee saying? hmm well, my employee's saying this. What do you feel about it? I disagree with it, or I don't think we should trade any more picks, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, it's up to you, blah, blah, blah. He shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And so that's why I think he's in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to – he's the. He's not even the GM. He's going to hire a GM. It, he's gotten
1: Kyle Shanahan's job in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's interesting because in, – and in you bring up uh, Kyle Dubas. He was hired – Kyle
2: Shanahan, I, sorry. Brendan, not, Brendan Shanahan. Brendan
1: Shanahan. Kyle Dubas was hired a year too early. That's what the problem was. That, that's the issue There's Lou Lamarillo, the guy that he is and the reputation that supersedes him across the league he should have been the guy that took on those big contracts and signed those guys. then if Kyle Dubas was the guy that was right for the job he should have taken over after that so because you you, you have a guy in his mid30s and listen I'm I'm 32 years old I I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, gonna gonna actually I am I mean you have, you have a guy that is is in his mid30s. He's in charge of an organization that people don't get to until they're their fifties or sixties, working their way up. Yeah. There's inexperience there, and 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 I and I think that Cal Dubas 100 bet and believed that the salary cap was going on, was going to be going up, and then that would allow him to make moves. Nobody saw the pandemic coming. It's affected every single team in the National Hockey League. But you can't argue that the Toronto Maple Leafs weren't a team that was affected most by that.
2: So I think you, like the Jets, I don't think the Jets need another hockey mind. Like a director of hockey ops who Kevin Shevelday, I think he drafts well. I think he signs great contracts. I think he... What they need is what Je- what I put out over a year ago, when Jennifer Bautero was on Hockey Night in Canada talking about culture, yeah, and talking about how her career on Team Canada went from being a fourth line grinder mm-hmm. to being one of the most influential and I believe player of the tournament depth players to being at the end of her career where she's back at that place where she's just getting every second shift, and she said the whole time, which is a like close to two decades, it was about culture, yeah, and so every organization, you know, has their thing. I think the jets could use a director of hockey ops who comes in like a Jennifer Botterall and creates a better culture. Yeah. Creates an environment where it is all about everybody. And it is, and Rick bonus tried to do that, right? Like no captain and it's on all of you stop pointing fingers and come together collectively. I think they could use a hockey op person like that, that comes in, has a say on talent and skill, just like a scout does, Yeah, but also says, you know, this is what I'm seeing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sober second. It's just uh, help. sober, sober second thought. You know, uh, Doug texts the show. He says, I guess I can't put my money through this in reference to the clip I opened up with Kyle Dubas about him not uh, popping up anywhere next week. Uh, Doesn't mean much when it comes to money. That one from Doug. This one from Bryn. Is it possible that Dubas had no intention of leaving but was only waffling on whether he wanted to come back? He also was in contract negotiations when he was let go. That changed everything. Also, the new position is essentially Shani's job, not GM. Uh, uh, Tell Toad to go easy on Dubas. You know, Brent, I think, told us uh speaking pretty favorably I, I, about Dubis. Other actually. than the
2: contracts, I like Dubis.
1: That he handcuffed he handcuffed himself. And and I will say this point. to
2: what you said about his age, I think that got a hold of him as a young GM, not Without wanting to not wanting to get into a dispute and all this. I think he felt 100%. some pressure and goes, I'll give them this money. They're that good. Without a doubt. And I think any contract like that comes up from now with this experience, he's like, no. I'll let you sit out for a bit, and I I don't want our relationship to be ruined, but I'm not giving you that
1: Let's take a break. Let's come back. But if Lula Amorello is the GM, you see a very, very different set of circumstances happen.
2: I don't think half those guys are there. Yeah, I think he not. doesn't give those deals, and to the detriment of the Leafs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Derek Taylor, after twelve thirty, is going to be joining us. Hey, it's Bomber Walkthrough Day. Uh, Five thirty pregame show. Seven thirty kickoff tomorrow. Bombers Riders final preseason game of the year. We'll talk that. Hey, we'll hear from True Living as well. And hey, listen, I got uh, I pulled some I pulled some stats. I spent my morning uh, looking at uh, trade deadline. You were working today. I was working. I was shocked. I came in. The there was no feet dope.
2: on the table. Listen. No cocktail in hand. You were working. I is, was like, what are you doing? You're like, is, I'm is working. Is it going to be
1: a surprise to you, Jim, how the trade deadline is actually rolled out, giving up all the hype? We'll get to that after 1245. Don't go anywhere. Chats at noon on six eight CJOB. Number one, I got to get out and see Austin. Number two is I got to, we got to, number one, A is, is the other contractual issues? We got a coach that we've we we've, we've got to get some clarity and, and meet with. So, you know, I don't I don't by, by saying one's more important than the other, you're you're downgrading everything. But there's a lot to do, and uh, the clock is ticking, as they say. Lots of the play to Brad Trliving. Uh Elliot Friedman. One of the restri- uh, tweeted this out. One of the restrictions on Brad Living, he can't be at the draft table uh, because of uh, with the Flames,
2: and he can't participate much in the draft. Which? How are you going to prove any of that? I guess text messages, subpoena the text messages and go, even though he's not Sub- at the table... <laughs> He was at home, and I asked him about this player, and this was his response. I mean, str- I don't know how you prove it. They're going to strike Good on Calgary, but I don't know how it they're is. They're
1: going to strike a committee and really investigate uh, the thoroughness of this. Anyways, let's take a break. Let's come back. Hey, Derek Taylor, bomber walkthrough today right after this.
0: Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. 25 degrees at 680 CJOB. You sweating yet? Back to Jets at noon.
1: I'm sweating always yet. I'm always sweating. You
2: glow. You glow. I got a glow. You got a glow. You got a greasy glow glow to you. Yeah. Proud of it. Like you, if you eat fried chicken in a shower, it's so greasy.
1: (laughs) That's where I like to eat my fried chicken in a shower.
2: Yeah, get rid of the grease at the same time. Don't have to worry.
1: Yeah, it's win-win.
2: For a guy who ate a greasy piece of chicken, you look great.
1: (laughs) Always trying, you know what I mean? Uh, Thank you very much, Pistol. Thanks, Skylar Peters. You're welcome, Jonah. Thanks, Skylar. Uh, joining the program right now. Hey, Blue Bomber game day tomorrow. Walkthrough day for game the Winnipeg day. Blue Bombers. Pre-game gets going at 5.30. Kickoff at 7.30 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Hosting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wrapping up the preseason. Uh, DT, Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers here on 680 CGOB. Joining us, Derek, how you doing?
0: Good. Well, better now that I, I learned about fried chicken in the bathtub or yeah. in the shower. Like, yeah. like that- I was thinking, I'm a bath guy over a shower guy. A little bucket of fried chicken sitting next to me while I watch an episode of Yellowstone in the tub. Oh, my gosh. Is, I am thinking, oh, I just found a new heaven, honestly. A bath guy over a shower guy? Well, my sensitive heels toast. Come sensitive on. heels? What we don't
2: know about a guy, right? There's there's bubbles in that bath, I too? picture, like, when Kramer was eating the Kenny Rogers on the, the uh, gyrating bed. Yeah. That's how I picture DT in the tub with a bucket of chicken watching Yellowstone (laughs) needs
1: needs that chicken. Yeah.
0: Oh, good. Oh, I'm a chicken guy. I'm a chicken guy. Don't forget about the
2: casino as chicken flies out of his mouth. (laughs)
0: Exactly.
2: That's that's probably my
1: ultimate weakness is fried chicken. Really? Oh, I love fried chicken. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Is that surprising to you? Toth? Are you surprised by that? Not in the least. You're a pizza guy. I know all about you, Jim. I like his but I like fried chicken, too. You're fried. Don't chicken. get me wrong. Uh, Derek, well, how's walkthrough been today so far?
0: Oh, fine. It's, it's gone off uh, without a hitch. Nobody got injured, so thankful for that. We got a little sense of uh, who's going to be in the game and who mm-hmm. will not be in the game tomorrow. The Bombers, of course, brought a bunch of players to that game in Edmonton, a bunch of their starters. Uh, this one, no Zach Kalaris, no Dalton Schoen, no Bray Alvarez expected, no Nick Devski. Most of the offensive line will not be uh, participating. Uh, Guys like Jackson Jeffcoat, no. Alvin Darby, no. But then there are the sprinkles of some veterans like Brandon Alexander. Uh, There will be a little Willie Jefferson, Jeff Gray on the offensive line. So we'll get a a sense of some of them, but uh, most of the veterans taking the day off, which I think with a a game a week from tomorrow, I I love it. I love it. Give them them a rest.
1: I'm I'm interested to see Dolan Shoney. He hasn't been on either roster. Is that right?
0: Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. So he got, he got a little bit nicked one, two or three days before the previous game. He got a little nicked up and he he took a day off of practice. Then he returned, but he didn't return to practice fully. So uh, I I just feel like, okay, yeah, just, just let him rest. He'll be fine to go next week. Fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, that's true. No Dalton showing in the preseason at all.
1: A Ty- Tyrell Pigram, um, the situation around him. I mean, he, he had that uh, he had that great run. I mean, he 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 sort of st- seemingly starting to fit that bill of uh, you know the the bombers like to run a, a package. You know, and, you know, we'll wait and see what they have in 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 store here, but they like to run a package with a running with a with a running quarterback. I'm um, yeah. interested to see how many reps he gets and how many snaps he's going to get today or yeah, tomorrow. Sure. I should say. I,
0: I, I suspect there'll be a lot for Drew Brown because Brown Brown. I think. Only got something like eight snaps in the first game. So I feel like there'll be a lot for Drew Brown. And then Tyrell Pigram and Josh Jones. And and Pigram's, I mean, with that 45-yard touchdown uh, run, then he had another run. And then he just missed Jeremy Murphy on a hot route, which he went, that's a good read. He just didn't execute the pass. You know, This guy could be exactly what they need from that third quarterback. And we were, we were postulating this at practice today, just watching this. Pretend halfway through the season, Pigram makes the team. And halfway through the season, he's got like – Nine quarterback sneaks for a touchdown. The rum hut zone here will be losing it. They'll be doing pig they'll be making pig sounds, they'll be chatting piggy tea. so <laughs> uh, the pork will create a sandwich that Wade Miller will put in the concessions. Uh, you know, the piggy tea special. Like that that guy with that nickname. Oh no. Nine touchdowns and this it <laughs> it'll be amazing <laughs> through here at IG field because uh, let's not kid ourselves, he's got skills, and, and the Bombers are looking for guys. You're never taking Zach Kolaris off the field in, a, in, a, in a, 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 bi- a passing situation, but in short yardage, a guy can come in and produce, or he can bust one off the edge like Dakota Prukop did so successfully last year. Piggy T, fan favorite. First, first Bomber to have a sandwich named after him since Milk Siegel, maybe. Who knows?
2: That would be fascinating. And that's kind of what I wanted to, to bring up is just with Drew Brown and, and Zach Claros and now uh, this fine young gentleman who's Piggy P, I guess we're going to go with. Um, it, oh, sorry. Yes, apologies. Uh, there's quarterback depth here. And, and, and I bring that up because for years when I was on 680C Joe B, you couldn't find one. And, and get enough depth if, if somebody did go down. Um, this is a different time for the organization that when we're looking at all the other positions like Big Hill and Jefferson coming back and the O-line and Andrew Harris moving on and Brady Oliver coming in at running back, that they've sort of quietly put together some quarterback depth.
0: Yeah, Drew Brown, I mean, in week one last year, Zach Kalaris got pulled out by the injury spotter on what was trying to be the game-winning drive. Drew Brown comes in, completes three straight passes against... One was against just a strong Ottawa blitz. He dumps it off and, oh boy, look at this. And they hit the game-winning field goal because Drew Brown led them that way. He started uh, the game late in the season, which didn't go great, but he got some starting experience and a bunch of snaps. He he does provide some depth. The the interesting thing that I'll kind of want to see is we mentioned Pigram, and then Josh Jones as the other quarterback. Uh, Drew Brown's been in the league now three years, which his, his uh, original contract will be up at the end of the year. So are they looking for a new number two? Are they destined to keep Brown around because they like what he's got? Would he get an offer from some other team if he shows something this season? Uh, they may have to be you know, looking ahead to 24 and the next generation of backup quarterbacks. So uh, that, makes, that puts a little extra layer on, uh, on tomorrow's game.
1: How much is there going to be? Uh, how how important is the kicking game going to be today for the guys vying for the spots, or tomorrow? Oh, I should so say. Awesome. I keep saying today, but I mean, I, I, I mean tomorrow. I'm just so excited.
0: I feel you. I got you from contact. I got you, man. I got you. Yeah. I, they got. They'll bring all five kickers and punters, and you know this is their last chance to kind of show it off. Uh, as far as the punting game goes, like it, this all for me kind of comes down to Mark Leggio. Uh, Legio. I assume Castillo is going to be the the kicker because Castillo's got this great track record. Legio can punt. He, when you adjusted for field position, he was number five in the league last year, which isn't number one, but it's not number nine, and it's not your cut, right? So it, it's good, and it has the value. He has the value of being Canadian. You have to have a certain number of Canadians on the roster, and if you want to carry globals, well, after the first global, they start pulling Americans off the field. So. If you want Carl Schmitz on the roster, for example, or Jamison Sheehan, and you want Theodore Hansen when he's back, okay, well, now an American has to come off. So Leggio has roster value that the other guys do not necessarily have. Is he, is he good enough? Like, I was running some numbers last night just based on where they punted from. And Jamison Sheehan, the game he had against Edmonton, if he could continue that for a full year, he's the best punter in the CFL, right? So it was a really good game for him. It was it was good for Schmitz, but he got an unlucky bounce. We're, we're going to be watching a lot of that. I just I don't know about you guys. I, I would I'm surprised if they let Sergio Castillo kick a field goal at all. I I kind of wonder why because I just feel like the second that guy came on the market for me, he was the guy I would want the bombers to go with. So I'd be curious to see if he does. If they haven't kick a field goal, I will I will wonder why they're doing that.
2: Well, and that's what I kind of wonder about Legio. Like if he can punt and. That's a way that, you know, heaven forbid, something happens, an injury or something in a pinch, you got somebody there that can fill in. Um, and, and everybody knows how I delved into his uh, end of the season and mm-hmm. thought they needed to improve the position. I think they have proved the, improved the position with Cass, Castillo, but I also don't mind him punting. And then, you know, if something happens in the second quarter, Castillo gets run into or something, you at least have somebody active that, that can step in and, and kick a, a field goal if needed.
0: Well, and you, you just to some degree have the reverse with Castillo. He can, he can punt well enough. Right. He can do the physical act of punting. He's not a good punter, and most teams have, have kind of just made him a field goal kicker. He can get you out of a game, and then you have time to go find somebody in that, in that off week, or you carry one of the global guys on your practice roster,
1: right. for
0: example. Javison Sheehan sticks around in the practice roster if that's of interest to him. So, yeah, like there, are, there is a lot of value that Leggio provides <laughs> But, uh, I mean, Bomber fans who saw the Grey Cup and saw the games against BC and were here for Week 10 against Montreal uh, and watched Mark miss a field goal that would have won the game and clang one off the upright that would have tied the game.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, Bomber fans, I think, have probably moved on from from Leggio just because when he he is called upon, you might get the 55-yarder in the Labor Day Classic or you might have one that cost the game against Montreal, right? You don't have any certainty, whereas other guys provide certainty and that's that's kind of you want that to be a comfort spot and not a oh i wonder how this is going to go spot
2: is the dream over for the 58 year old former NFLer who is living in the bahamas
0: oh carl schmitz no uh schmitz schmitz is a hell of a leg 36 years old uh bermuda who but has been in the bermuda. america i got all it, that wrong <laughs> No, no, it was, it was good though 58 like he, he's a guy that looks like he can play till he's 58 i mean schmitz is in good shape so yeah, he, he showed off a rocket leg. And, yeah, if that ball that he, he hit going right to left goes out to one instead of the minus one, we'd be talking about a, he'd be a hero. He was, he's really good. He and Sheehan are both really good with really good legs. So I, I really think that no matter where they go in that, if they want one of those global guys to do it, they'll both be just fine. Plus, we get to tell the, the Schmidt story of a 36-year-old – who hadn't kicked in a game in eight years and was in college in the 90s, finally playing pro football, amazing.
1: Yeah, that's something else. Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, will be joining us again tomorrow to tee up the preseason game, 5.30 pregame show, kickoff at 7.30 right here on 680 CGOB. Bombers and Riders wrapping up the preseason at IG Field. Uh, Bomber Training Camp Reports brought to you by Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. DT, thanks so much, man. Take care. Thanks, CT. Fried chicken in the tub, guys! Fried chicken in the tub. You got that? I'm, that's what I'm living for.
2: Yes, and that's, that's how I get up in the morning, and fried chicken, and tell stories. The 58 year old from the Bahamas. Actually, he's 36 and from Bermuda. <laughs>
1: Uh, this is interesting. Well, that's here. what I meant. Uh, as we take a break, Chris Johnston, just reporting this out, of course, talking about Kyle Dubas named as the president of hockey operations for the, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, John Shannon reported interest, uh, saying, interesting to hear Kyle Dubas say that Fenway reached out on the Sunday before the Monday, Maple Leafs press conference and had permission from MLSC to speak to Dubas about the Penguins job. Of course, Dubas like go from the Leafs as general manager. And then Chris Johnston, uh, insider, reporting uh, Fenway sports groups did didn't get permission to start speaking with Kyle Dubas about a role with the pens until May 20th, the day after the Leafs parted ways with them. It's been a fascinating week for both franchises. So who knows what's true?
2: Like sands through the hourglass. These are the These days are the days of our lives.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the trade deadline, Jim. Yes. Is it I as important story. as many think? 'Cause I get I got caught up in the emotion of it. Oh, Big I did. Time. I was
2: going all in, remember? Oh yeah. Go get everybody,
1: Timu Meyer, Jake Chikrin. Is it as important? Well, we'll tell you after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, I think fans, you know, obviously, always hope you're going to do more. There's, there's, you know, certainly the advent of social media. There's a lot of misinformation out there that uh, you know uh, fans tend to uh, maybe gravitate towards and, and maybe get a little bit overly excited about the different opportunities that you might actually have in front of you. Um, you know, this isn't fantasy hockey. This is real. There's, there's a real hard cap. Um, you know, there's assets that organizations have, and you know, everyone talks about trading picks. We saw a lot of you know picks traded, uh, you know, over this course of time. We've traded a lot of picks over over the period of time to, you know, to assemble this team. So, um, you know, again, we, we were aggressive. Um, We were in the market. We got uh, players that we feel that, that help us win right now. And uh, that's the most important thing. The general manager, Kevin off. I think that was on March 3rd following the trade deadline. Uh, We of course played that audio here on 680 CJOB. It ain't fantasy. It ain't fantasy hockey there, eh, Jim?
2: No, it definitely isn't. I, I love that line. Um, look, I was one of the guys, well, I don't know if there's more, listen, than I was, you made. get,
1: you get caught up in I the wanted, emotion of it.
2: Well, and it wasn't just about emotion. It was the team was struggling. Yeah. I believed in the roster and I thought they could augment it and make a good two year run. Like if you have a two year contending window with a Vesna caliber goalie and, and some of this crew, I think you should go for it. Now, that being said, it was about a week later after the the dust settled that I was kind of like, so many people I would talked to in hockey had said, the Jets just can't give that away because like they don't mind trading the odd pick. As Kevin Sheveldayev has a yeah. lot of picks. But yeah. when you start talking prospects, in the hardest market to get players to come play in, those are the ones that you... Can guarantee yourself will be here for seven seasons.
1: So the top four teams in terms of uh the trade deadline and, and adding players. And of course, I mean the idea is hey, if you had the most players and you bring in the best players onto your team, wow, we probably are gonna be the, the team that's gonna be hoisting the Stanley Cup are gonna give ourselves a good chance, right? Well, we can let's work backwards here, Jim. And we'll right. start with well, let's let's start with the top with the top two, the two teams that are still alive. Right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. What was what was a, uh, what were the two? Well, I guess they made three trades. Um, Ivan Barbashev was the most impactful has been a 15 Great trade. who has got 15 points in 17 games. The most impactful player out of everybody by the way, and I looked at every single player that was drafted, that was uh, traded at the trade deadline, by so to, far the most the most impactful.
2: To Kelly's more continuous point, like Andrew Cogliano yeah. was the biggest impact in last year's trade deadline because yeah. he helped the Colorado Avalanche and was impactful, literally win a cup. And he makes that point constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not the biggest names or the biggest splash. It's no. who contributes in... in a small hole in the team and it's been Barbashev, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they also brought in uh, Teddy Bluger as a forward. He's, he's played six games so far at these playoffs. So he's been a scratch for most of the time. Uh, and then Michael Hutchinson, Jonathan Quick, bringing him in. He hasn't even, he hasn't even, he hasn't even started a game so far in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, again, the most impactful player was a trade with St. Louis uh, fairly early on uh, in the trade deadline was bringing I- Ivan Barbashev onto the, onto the Vegas Golden Knights. How many how many moves did the Florida Panthers make at the deadline, Jim?
2: They required future considerations to send a player to the LA Kings. That's it. That's it. So you have Barbashev and Jonathan Quick and future considerations.
1: Quick has even played; hasn't played yet in the playoffs. And you have Florida Panthers who made no; they brought in zero roster players. And
2: then you look at the Rangers.
1: Well, let's and even let's even go back a little bit further here, Jim. The Carolina Hurricanes uh, made a trade for. Shane Gostisbehere and Jesse Puljujarvi Puljujarvi over the 15 games of the the Carolina Panthers I mean the Carolina Hurricanes did play. Uh he only played 7 of them, right? And those were sort of more depth moves than actually making a big splash. I, I wouldn't consider Shane Gossesbear Bear and Yessi Pouliarvi as as splashy moves here. It cost him a third round pick. And we go to Dallas. Uh Evgeny Dadanoff very, very early on was added on to the roster uh for a trade with with Dennis was sent to Montreal. Uh Evgeny Dadanoff again early on, uh, I, I think that was one of the earliest moves at the deadline, and then Max Domi, uh, closer to it. Um was another, again, not the big, big splash, no. right? And those are the teams, those are the four teams that made it uh, the absolute furthest. But when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, six roster player changes, right? Bringing in six roster yeah. players to, I mean, they did acquire a first round pick, um, but they sent two of them out and as well as a bunch of prospects. And then the the New York Rangers as well, out in the first round, Vladimir Tarasenko, Tyler Mott, Patrick Kane, first-round pick, out the door, second-round pick. It doesn't add up.
2: It, it just doesn't. And then you look at the the stuff that's going out. Like, the Leafs have a first-round pick from Boston. They don't have their own first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick, or fourth-round pick. They don't have a seventh-round pick. The picks the, the Leafs have this year are round one from Boston, round four and five.
1: And it didn't work out. Well, and that's listen, and I get caught up in the emotion of it, you know. I said, "Oh, the Jets need to do more than bringing in," but to be honest, if we look at them, and we have to, we have to go here. But Vladislav Nemesnikov and Nino Niederreiter provided some of the best value pound for pound of any. I mean, I know the, the Jets were out in seven in five games in the, yeah. but in terms of deadline acquisitions, they were one of the better. There were some of the better pickups.
2: Yeah, I mean... It says I, a lot
1: about it. I mean, it's like...
2: And you add in the fact that would you rather they be out in the second or third round, the Jets, and not have Rutger McGorry, Chaz Lucius, Villy Hinola, still to maybe do some deals or package in this offseason? Jim,
1: Jim Toth, take all the wait until three o'clock. Jeffrey Forche. thank you very much for producing the show. That's it for me. I'll be back. Same time tomorrow. See you-
0: Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.